0: You are listening to The Chaos Chronicles. I'm Leanne Dolan. So happy to be with you today. It's Monday, December 2nd. I'm here in my closet in Pasadena, California, and I am uh, reporting on the news as I see it. No, that's not really what I do here on The Chaos Chronicles. I try to talk about modern motherhood with a bit of a laugh, so I am happy to have you. If you're new to The Chaos Crew, welcome. Um, We're happy to have you here. We're an all-inclusive group, so even though the show is really about motherhood, you don't really have to be a mother to watch to listen to the show. You don't have to be a woman. You know, you can be any age. We're very open here. I try to cover a lot of ground. Motherhood's sort of a common thread, but I could really go anywhere. Like today, I'm going to be talking about books. So stay tuned if you read books. (laughs) For instance, you're in the group. Uh, I'm going to be talking about food allergies. Do you have a food allergy? Welcome to the Chaos Chronicles. We're happy to have you. Uh, I am a mom. I live in Pasadena, California. I have two teenage boys. I've been married for about 20 years. And, um, when I'm not talking on the air, I'm writing usually, or, um, I'm sitting on the couch watching House Hunters International. So, um, just let me know. Let me know any if you have any questions about any of those aspects of my life. It was a great four-day weekend, so I am going to talk about Thanksgiving. Also today on the show, as promised, food allergies, hot degrees to pursue if you have an undergraduate considering uh, what major they should take in college. Also cold, cold degree programs to pursue, and I always click on those links when I see them on the internet because I'm pretty sure that my major is going to be listed usually at the top. It wasn't on the top of this list, um, but there were several that were close, so I'll talk about that. Uh, I was at a robotics competition a couple weeks ago, and I saw an egregious, <laughs> like, egregious breach of intelligence, and I just... I wanted to address um, any young women in the audience that might be interested in engineering. Uh, I wanted to apologize for the egregious breach I saw and steer you in the right direction if you are a young woman interested in engineering. Um, Finally, my to-do list, and as usual, I have um, some items for you to do. (laughs) as well, some items for me to do. And then I have a very interesting fashion query. So I'm hoping that someone in the chaos crew is not only a fashionista, but they somehow managed to bridge fashion, good taste and etiquette. Okay. Cause that's really what I need. So, Ooh, I hope that piques your interest. Stay tuned for that. Um, but first up, uh, the Chaos Chronicles what happened this week in my household we had Thanksgiving, and I essentially took all of last week off. Um, it was a planned vacation for me no satellite sisters podcasts you know no no chaos crew stuff uh, I very minimal writing you know what I just wanted to sort of take some time to enjoy the holidays and to be able to do it in a meaningful way It was the year anniversary of my mother 's death last Tuesday, and Thanksgiving was a very important holiday to her so the two were, I think will forever be intertwined certainly my mother will forever be intertwined with thanksgiving so i wanted to take some time you know to give my grief some space and to be able to celebrate her life in a way that was meaningful but not too maudlin because i know she wouldn't have wanted that because it was a week before thanksgiving and we had things to do you know we had a to-do list to work on so on tuesday um I was having 13 to my house, not a huge crew. Uh, I've had a lot more than that before. Um, 13 actually is a nice number because um, that's a one turkey situation. You don't have to cook two turkeys. You don't have to go outside of the Turkeyville to find another entree to serve perhaps a salmon or a ham. No, you can just stick with turkey. I got one big 22 pounder plenty of turkey for my 13 people. Um, but, you know, it doesn't really matter how many people you have around the table. The cleaning is still the same. You know, you can... <laughs> You'd have six people. You'd have 26. You still got to clean the bathrooms, don't you? Yep. You still got to wash down the hardwood floors. Oh, yeah. Uh, We had to clean the windows. Yeah. Haven't done that in a year. Finally had to clean the windows. You know, I was out in the garden mulching beforehand. Yeah, I was doing it all. Uh, Exactly how my mother would have wanted me to do it. Just a complete house overhaul to accommodate the 13 people for dinner. That's the exhausting part of Thanksgiving. The cooking part, I love. The cleaning, not so much. But on Tuesday, the anniversary of my mom's death, I had a couple things planned. And one of them was actually making her Thanksgiving pâté. And I'd only made it once before. It's a simple kind of country chicken liver pate, but it's so evocative of the Thanksgivings we had growing up. And just the smell of the tarragon and the chicken livers cooking. And I I was so overwhelmed by the sensory memory of that pate. It was just a really fitting way to commemorate my mother. Um, It's not for the faint of heart, either in the cooking or the dishwashing category uh you have to work with chicken livers so get used to that and then you have to pretty much use and clean every dish and blade in your house so get so get used to that and as my mother always said it's so much work you should double the recipe and freeze one for Christmas so I did that because I heard her voice in my head over and over and over again but just the act of looking at her recipe you know shopping for the recipe making the recipe that was um you know just a very fitting way to commemorate the day. And so I think it's something that I will try to incorporate every Thanksgiving now that will always remind me of her. And it was something of hers that she's managed to pass down. And unbelievably, I have the recipe because my mother was not famously organized and things like this. She didn't write down recipes and alphabetize them and have them organized on some disk somewhere like some people do. No, she like ripped a lot of things out, made notes and shoved them in a drawer somewhere. So <laughs> we did manage to have the recipe, though, in the first book I wrote with my sisters, Satellite Sisters on Common Senses. The Thanksgiving pate recipe is actually in that book if you have a copy around or... F- bought one at a yard sale. Um, you know, you can find it in there along with the turkey tetrazzini recipe that I also made this weekend. So I actually was like reading my own book and using the recipe in my own book. So it was just kind of a nice 360 degree loop. But um, th- the recipe works great in case you have a copy of Satellite Sisters on Common Senses. If you don't, I post it at satellitesisters.com. But it was just a very fitting way to commemorate my mother. And then I ended up the day with the ultimate. Compliment because my eighteen-year-old son, who enjoys food like pate, particularly corny, the cornichons, the little pickles that go with it, he looked at the two pates side by side in the two-pound, <laughs> two-pound loaf loaf pans, and he's like, "That is all ours. We get to eat all that." Like he had never seen so much pate in his whole life because you know, usually it's you know much more expensive, and you buy little little pots of it or little slabs of it. He was so thrilled to just the sheer amount of pate that we were going to be able to consume. We couldn't believe it. So check. It's on the list as a new Thanksgiving tradition here Um, and well worth it. Uh, A good exercise and kind of memory and home and commitment and and all kinds of things. And then the other thing I did that day to commemorate commemorate my mother was go to the honey baked ham store. so, you know, I don't know, maybe others went to mass and lit a candle, but I think she found a lot of spiritual healing at the Honey Baked Ham store. So that's where I went. And uh, I was right. I actually got a little misty-eyed as I drove away with my twin hams. I had one for me and one for a friend who's going through a lot now, has a lot going on in her household. So I I texted her uh, and earlier in the day I said, I'm going to honey baked ham. I want to pick you up one. Is that okay? She's like, please, thank you so much. I appreciate it. So I dropped off a ham, the rolls, the mustard, and a kale salad at her house uh, on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. So she would have ham around for the week. So all in all, the whole, whole event was a whole day was uh, very evocative of my mother and a fitting way to pay tribute to her. So Made it through. So Thanksgiving, we had a terrific time. Had my brother's family there and uh, my brother's father-in-law. They were also celebrating Hanukkah. So we had Thanksgiving Maka. Uh That was a first and I guess only. I think the next time it's going to happen is 70,000 years from now. So we at one point, we did have pumpkin pie and jelly donuts for dessert. And you know you know what you want after a giant Thanksgiving meal? Uh, you want jelly donuts. <laughs> that's, what you, that's what you want. a big jelly donut. (laughs) So that was, that was a lot. Uh, especially if you haven't had a jelly donut in like, I don't know, 20 years. Uh, so, so, but Hey, it was Thanksgiving, Mako. Once in 70,000 years serve up the jelly donuts. Why don't you? Uh, and, uh, my sister, Liz came, my sister, Sheila, my in-laws were here. It was a very convivial group. Everything worked out very well. Uh, I had a new strategy: heavy hors d'oeuvres, simple meal. That was an excellent, excellent plan that I will be following from now on. Made the serving of Thanksgiving dinner actually much simpler. So it it all worked out beautifully well. And then the next morning, my husband and I woke up at the crack of dawn because that's what we do. And um, it was raining. You know. That's weird in Southern California. It was like cold and rainy. So the next thing we knew, we were, you know, kind of starting to put away the Thanksgiving stuff and, oh, get the tables down and put the chairs away. And I wasn't really going to take down the mantelpiece or the pilgrims. But, hmm, well, the next thing I knew, we had all the Thanksgiving stuff down, all the Christmas stuff up from the basement. The mantle is now full Santa, full Russian Santa. (laughs) I've got, I've got the nativity out. I, I have a few well-placed reindeer and the penguin I so enjoy that I like to put in the kitchen during Christmas time. A very handsome penguin. And unbelievably, in three hours, Thanksgiving gone Christmas up. It was just fantastic. And I didn't have to stress. I didn't know what we had normally done. I, I remember like the cleanup for Thanksgiving taking so much longer and uh, dragging out for days and days. And here we go, like three hours, boom, we'd done it. It was done. It was over. So I looked at my husband. And I said, why does this usually take so long? What do we usually do the Friday after Thanksgiving? And he said, "Leon, this is the first time in 10 years we haven't been in a soccer tournament. And that really kind of made me sad. I got kind of sad thinking about all the Thanksgivings we had spent first at a local tournament, the Turkey tournament here with AYSO. And then once our kids started playing club soccer, we'd go down to San Diego for the weekend, or at least my husband and sons would go down. So I'd be left home alone. So no wonder the cleanup seemed really long (laughs) because it was just me and I had a hard time lifting all those heavy tables, but it was the first time in 10 years we had not been at a soccer tournament. My older son was working. He's working a lot of shifts this weekend at the hotel where he's the valet. My younger son doesn't play soccer anymore. So that's why it was amazing. And then the amazement continued when at about noon, my husband said, all right, well, I guess we should go shopping. We went shopping (laughs) on Black Friday. What the? (laughs) We Again, never really done that. I don't recall ever going shopping on Black Friday and, uh, We actually scored a few doorbusters. We got there before one, so we scored some doorbusters. And the whole thing was actually really kind of fun. It was sort of fun to be a part of it. I can see why people go. Although I have to say... I am sad about the shopping on Thanksgiving. You know, Thanksgiving is a great holiday. And uh, I needed to be reminded again why it's a great holiday. It's just food and it's family. And that's it. (laughs) Like That's all. you And a little football, you know, and that's all you're really supposed to do on Thanksgiving. And we don't have too many days like that in America where, you know, we don't really you don't have to get dressed up to go to mass, you know, or, you know, you don't have to worship or anything. You just like food, family, football, hanging out, Monopoly. Uh, fires. Those are all good things about Thanksgiving. So it did make me sad. Actually, When the, on Friday when I was shopping, I thought, you know, I don't think these stores are that crowded because I guess everyone went shopping yesterday. And then I saw on the news crawl that Walmart uh, sold three million TVs. So I guess on Thanksgiving. So I guess people did go shopping. And I thought, well, how sad. Like, boom, the death of an American holiday. It just, it died. <laughs> it died. They killed it. The re- retailers killed it. So I hope maybe it revives itself, that the novelty of shopping on Thanksgiving wears off over the next year or two. And then we can go back to just understanding that, you know what, those same things in the store on Thursday, they'll be there Friday. <laughs> and if, I hope we get to understand that. That's all. Just a little editorializing. Wasn't bothering me so much beforehand, although I was sick of all the news stories about it. But then afterwards, I'm like, oh my gosh, they killed Thanksgiving. Huh. Imagine that. You could take a great American holiday and just kill it with a doorbuster." So we went shopping, though, on Friday. And that was excellent. And then the shocker continues when my husband looked at me at five in the afternoon and said, would you like to go to the movies? I mean, what got into this man? <laughs> so... So I, I said, sure. And I named a couple of adult movies that I wanted to see. Um, you know, movies for adults, not, not anything scandalous. Um, and, uh, you know, movies with Bruce Dern in them, you know? And, um, he said, actually, I'd like to go see Catching Fire, the Hunger Games movie. I was like, Okay, it's playing at like 9,000 theaters, let's go. So we showed up unbelievably at like three minutes of seven and we were able to get into a seven o'clock showing. We were actually there for the 7.45 showing. And uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, um, I don't want to ruin it for you, but I'm going to do like a 30 second review of it right now. So just want to warn you, I don't, I don't want any emails. Spo- so fast forward for about a minute, here you go. Um, here's my review of Catching Fire. If you like The Hunger Games, You'll like Catching Fire because it's exactly the same movie. I mean, what was that? It was the same movie. <laughs> what? Gosh, darn it. The plot was moving along nicely the first half hour of Catching Fire. And then it just stopped dead. And all of a sudden, like, oh, wait a minute. You have to play The Hunger Games again. <laughs> what? I thought we were done with that. Where is La Revoluzione? Where is that? I, I, What's happening? I just didn't understand why that would be. That wasn't moving the plot forward. That was just repeating the same movie. Ah! Now, again, I haven't read the books, but I did enjoy the first movie. So obviously, if I had read the books, I would have known that because people tell me it was a very faithful retelling of the second book, which kind of explains it. Because in YA, in young adult fiction, um, they repeat a lot of things. That's what makes it YA. Uh, If something worked in the first book, they repeat it in the second book. And... (laughs) It's a drawback for movie plotting because in movies, you're actually supposed to go forward. You're not supposed to repeat the same thing. But no, we had exactly the same Hunger Games happen in movie two. Now, I thought it was well executed and nobody, nobody beats Jennifer Lawrence. She is fantastic and she made the whole movie watchable and she just raises everything to a different level. So it was enjoyable, but I was disappointed. That there is my 30 second review of Catching Fire. But I am apparently alone because the movie has made a b- half a billion dollars. So uh, don't listen to me at all. But if you're contemplating not going to movie two and going straight to movie three, I applaud that decision. Because I, I you're not going to lose much in the plot. <laughs> you know, you'll be able – because you know what? I'm pretty sure they're going to repeat uh, parts of the plot in movie three. So I think you just skip forward. Just skip forward. Why don't you go see that movie with Bruce Dern? The one I couldn't go, my husband wouldn't go see. Liz and Lee and here, and we are so grateful to have OSEA support satellite sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we we love OSEA's skin and body care? And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than OSEA. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from OSEA. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life, aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. (laughs)
1: See why Framebridge has
0: been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or see a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's framebridge.com. Thanks, Framebridge. All right, but that was it. I mean, it was uh, it was an astonishing weekend for me and for my husband. He uh, he just, Saturday, he reverted to form. Um He went back to work. (laughs) The magic was over. (laughs) But it was a great four-day weekend. I did miss that soccer tournament, though. Did miss it. Oh, you know what that music means? It means it's time to samba. No, it doesn't. I don't... (laughs) For those of you who are Zooming right now, God bless you. Uh, Okay, a couple things in the news that we can discuss here in and around the idea of parenting. Um, First, a new study about food allergies and babies that I actually found pretty interesting, only because I have just the vaguest memory of when I did things like introduce solid foods. I don't recall, Um, but I always feel like when I read these stories about young kids, it'll tell you exactly what to do. Oh, here's, here's how you should introduce new foods. You know, here's how many hours of sleep they should get. Here's how many books, how many hours a week you should spend reading to your child. So they'll become a reader. Like, I feel like I did all those things and still it didn't really work out for me. (laughs) So, So if you're a new mom, or an expecting mother, uh, take this with a grain of salt because you could follow the recommendations of this, these British researchers, um, published online in pediatrics magazine, and you could still have kids with a host of food allergies. So FYI, that is one of the joys of parenting is that there's always some study out there to prove you wrong or that you will be in opposition of. So take, take it with a grain of salt. Um, But here's what they actually found. British researchers followed a group of almost 1,200 infants from birth to two years, while their mothers completed diaries detailing the baby's diets, noting suspected allergic reactions to food, which researchers later confirmed by testing. Uh, They found 41 babies confirmed with food allergies, compared uh, them with 82 age-matched healthy controls. Again, I don't really know what that means, but all you need to know is... All you need to know is this. After controlling for all kinds of factors like birth weight, duration of pregnancy, maternal allergies, and many other factors, they found that 17 weeks was the crucial age. Babies who were introduced to solids before this age were significantly more likely to develop food allergies than babies whose moms breastfed exclusively and then introduced solid foods after 17 weeks of age. And the researchers also uh, found that if you were breastfeeding and and introduced cow's milk simultaneously after 17 weeks of age, that your child was less likely to be uh, allergic to milk. So, um there you have it. And I'm just reminded of my older son, Brooks, who um, honestly, I believe he would still be breastfeeding. (laughs) So that's how much he enjoyed it. (laughs) He enjoyed it. And uh, he never took a bottle. My fault. He was good with cup, good with sippy cup. But um, uh, I'm pretty sure he didn't have his first like cookie till he was five or six months old. And he has a host of food allergies. So I... (laughs) So there you go. There you go, British researchers. I don't know. Where's my son Colin, like, rejected me personally, rejected breastfeeding. He couldn't stand it. You know, uh, he's never had cows. He hates cow's milk. He won't drink that. Um, uh, he has, seems to have no food allergies whatsoever. So God knows what I was feeding him now that I, <laughs> now that I think about it. But... If you're concerned about food allergies, you know, if you could breastfeed for 17 weeks and hold off on that first cookie, uh, that may pay off in the long run. And you know, it is hard, right? You're just dying when the baby's a little, and when they have some eye hand coordination at like three months, you're just, you're dying to like stick a little cookie in their hand. It's so fun to see them eat solid food, but apparently it's not that good for them. So, (laughs) so. There, there you have it. But you know, uh, nobody, I didn't read, I read to my son Brooks like hours and hours and hours every day and it would kill him to pick up a book on his own. Like he hates to read. He likes listening to stories. <laughs> it didn't help his reading. So I don't know. I don't sometimes these studies. I don't know what they're good for except to make you feel like, Oh, I did all that. And still I got it wrong. <sighs> All right. Another uh, interesting study. If you have kids on the other age end of the age spectrum, maybe applying to college, trying to decide what they want to do with their life, um... Here are, according to Yahoo Business and Education reporters, the, uh, hot degrees to pursue in 2014 and beyond. And apparently they're hot because, um, you could actually get out and get a job. So, uh, <laughs> so that's what makes them hot. Okay. Bachelors in finance. Finance is a degree that can be used in many positions, and it's a discipline that benefits anyone regardless of where they land in terms of a specific job, according to Nicole Williams, LinkedIn's career expert. Okay, bachelor's in finance. Uh, You're going to take courses in investments in analysis of financial statements, international finance, and financial management. Um, And you can become a financial analyst. (laughs) So there you go. Finance. That seems obvious, right? Hmm. I'd like to make some finances. Maybe I'll major in finance. How about this? Bachelor's in computer science. There you go. They do seem to make all the money by, I don't know, uh, 22. So um, good for them. (laughs) I actually showed how old I was when I was doing interviews for my alma mater alumni, uh, alumni interviews for admissions a couple weeks ago. And I was talking with one of the seniors at Pomona College where I went. And I said, oh, what are you studying? And she said, computer science. And I kind of looked at her and go, we have a computer science major? <laughs> because when I was there... They didn't have that. It was a traditional liberal arts school, but apparently now everyone has a computer science major. Every college, no matter what they teach, has one. Uh, Hot degree number three, I was suspicious of this, but marketing. So, okay, apparently we are all selling something and it's an industry that will never die, according to Williams of LinkedIn. So there you go. The marketers are the people that ruin Thanksgiving. So that is good job security. How about this? Hot degree number four, a bachelor's in accounting. If you like crunching numbers and adding it up, there you go. You are going to get a job. Uh, You can be an accountant or an auditor. (laughs) So, you know, there is not one of these degrees that interests me, and that is probably my problem. But that doesn't mean I couldn't talk a child into it, right? Hot degree number five, bachelor's in health care administration. College Board says healthcare administration majors take courses as diverse as accounting, healthcare ethics, human resources management, and anatomy and physiology. And it does seem, with all the debate about healthcare these days, that there will be jobs in that field forever and ever because people constantly need healthcare. It's not going to go away. Number six, bachelor's in business administration. It's a broad range of knowledge that will fit into virtually any industry. Uh, you're going to take classes in accounting, human resources, operations management, and financial management. You know, uh, it is very popular <laughs> business degrees. None, I didn't even take classes in any of those areas, never my major in it. And then, As a nice complimentary story, Yahoo! Education highlights four foolish majors to avoid. Now, I just object to that headline as someone who was a classics major. I just think any education is a good idea, okay? Some people just enjoy education for education's sake. And it doesn't really matter what you major in if you learn writing and critical thinking. So I just like to stand up for, uh, you know, humanities majors in general. Foolish seems like strong word. I would like to point to my sister, Liz, who has done very well in her business career. She was a comparative literature major. Perhaps that seemed foolish at the time, but you know, Liz managed to make it work for her. Okay, here we go. Opportunity killer number one, (laughs) liberal arts. (laughs) Okay. Well, first of all, I don't think you should major in liberal arts, but, uh, you know, going to a liberal arts school, I'm going to completely disagree with them, but majoring in it, I think you should narrow it down a little. At least go history, go English, you know, go sociology. Um, but apparently employers, um, think the majority of liberal arts grads don't come with any marketable skills. (laughs) Oh, okay. That seems harsh, but fine. Uh, opportunity killer number two. Philosophy and religious studies. Unemployment rate for recent college graduates, 10.8%. Can you remember the last time you saw an ad that said, looking for a really smart person who can solve why I exist? Okay, funny, Plato. Okay, very funny. All right. <laughs> so what? You don't think all the world's problems are basically caused by religious problems. Okay. <laughs> we look at all the international hotspots in the world. It's not because they don't uh, have a handle on, oh, I don't know, business administration. All right. Someone needs to understand religion and religious history. Someone needs to understand why we exist. <laughs> How are you going to so- solve all those medical ethical problems if you don't have a philosophy major? Huh? How are you going to do that? Yahoo. All right. Employment opportunity number three. This kind of surprised me. Information systems. Okay, first of all, I didn't even know that was a major. But apparently the unemployment rate for recent college graduates is 11.7 degrees. And apparently the objection to this major is that no one knows what it is. Uh, you might as well just get a degree in computer science or computer engineering. While this sort of catch-all information systems not very helpful anymore. Okay, I'm just glad it's not one of the humanities. And the fourth opportunity killer, this kind of surprised me, architecture. <laughs> okay. Oh, I feel bad. We need great architects, but apparently 13.9 of them are unemployed. Uh, They suggest, of course, that perhaps you should get a bachelor's degree in engineering, particularly electrical engineering, because that's very much in demand as opposed to architecture. All right, Yahoo. Fine. Fine. And you know what fits in perfectly because now I want to tell my engineering story. its personalization Liz for yeah. millions of possible formulas only one is uniquely liens okay and i'm i'm using it mm-hmm. pros isn't just better for you it's also better for the planet Liz they're a certified b corp cruelty free and the first and only Sign up today at butcherbox.com/sisters and use code Sisters to choose your free for year offer. Plus, get twenty dollars off your first order. Thanks, Butcherbox. Right, the other day I was at a robotics competition with my younger son, and um, and he's on the robotics team at his school because I forced him. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I didn't force him into robotics. I said you have to find one one extracurricular activity this year like just one thing he didn't sign up for anything his freshman year and honestly i wasn't paying attention uh i was dealing with my parents dealing with my older son and his college journey and uh finishing up a book so when colin came home from school every day and got in bed i just said that seems fine <laughs> You know, he was playing lacrosse. He just didn't sign up for any student government, any clubs, anything. And uh, he had been very involved in middle school. So I thought, Well, it's taking one year off. Um, but at the beginning of his sophomore year, I said, find one extra thing outside of sports that you want to do. Just one thing. So a couple of his friends were signing up for robotics and I said, sure, that sounds great. I really didn't know what that was. (laughs) I thought it was like the Lego Mindstorm stuff, but it is actually like building robots and they have these organized competitions that involve many schools and there's a state championships and a national championships and a world championships and, uh, and it's, it seems like a good team event, so you have to cook up these robots and they have to perform tasks sometimes it 's shooting basketballs or the other week we we're at a robotics competition sponsored by the jet Propulsion Lab, and they had to figure out a way to hit a golf ball like up a hill into a hole a small hill so um, so that's I was there watching my first robotics competition, and I was kind of impressed and surprised to see when we got there um, that not only JPL had had a big booth, and they were sort of actively recruiting uh, kids interested in engineering. But also, the U.S. Navy was there, and Northrop Grumming was there, Grumman was there, and Boeing was there, and several engineering programs from local colleges were all there, handing out things, taking names, trying to get kids excited in uh, in engineering and any kind of sciences they might want to pursue to a higher degree. Oh. I think I was most surprised because I'm fairly sure my son is not in that category. Like, I think he likes hanging out with his friends and this is fun and he's learning some interesting computer programs, but he really does not enjoy math and science that much. So it just, it made me laugh, like the thought of him actually going to work for the U.S. space program. (laughs) He's like, yeah, mom, I don't think that's my future. But apparently most of these other kids are interested in that stuff. And these companies and universities were taking advantage of their interest in a good way. We need engineers, right? As we just learned and computer scientists. So, um, so the only company that didn't appear to get with the program was Radio Disney. Okay. Radio Disney had a van there and, um, they were, first of all, they were like playing radio Disney music while we were supposed to be listening to the robotics competition. So they seem to sort of miss the whole point of this thing whatsoever. I... <laughs> And they, and so at one point I wandered past the radio Disney street team and they were trying to engage a young woman. She looked like she might be actually someone's little sister who was there or maybe an employee's daughter because she was about 11. And, um, she had on a t-shirt that said Boeing and the radio Disney street team member, I heard her like screaming into the microphone. Don't you want to be a princess when you grow up? And I was like, are you kidding me? No, I don't think she wants to be a princess. She's wearing a Boeing t-shirt. I think, <laughs> she's at a robotics competition. I think she wants to be an engineer, for God's sakes. And it just made me think like of all the obstacles women face in the science in the sciences and how low their numbers are and even though they're over 50% of college graduates they're less than 20% of science majors nationwide like how many obstacles plus radio disney really is this when the you know is, can we stop with the princess thing i don't even have daughters and it makes me crazy but this young girl clearly did not want to be a princess. Okay. You were missing all the signs. So if you have a daughter and she's interested in the sciences, I want to point you to a really great looking website. I was fishing around today to see, um, what I could do as a chaos chronicler to counteract the work of radio Disney, <laughs> their obsession with princesses. And I found engineergirl.org. Engineergirl.org. And, um, it's a, well-done website for young women who may be interested in following any kind of – career in the sciences, but particularly engineering. Um, They have a whole list of women there that just says, I'm an engineer and you can read all about them. Profiles of women. They have an essay competition. uh, Why should I become an engineer? What they do? How to get there? uh, Lots of fun facts. Classes to take in high school. It's sponsored by Lockheed Martin. um, But uh, I just think it's a really good site. They were also at the robotics competition. So um, I would encourage you, if you have a daughter interested in the sciences to check out engineergirl.org engineergirl.org please we need some more girls in the sciences we do not need any more princesses we have Kate Middleton we're done We are wrapping up here at the Chaos Chronicles. A couple of things first, though. Um, Before I get to my to-do list, I wanted to ask you a question. If you have any knowledge of fashion or etiquette or the intersection of the two. I am (laughs) curious. I have been invited to a white tie event in a couple of weeks. Um, My husband will be in tails, and I am wearing a... Formal long dress. And uh, I'd like to remind people that I didn't even wear a formal long dress to my wedding. So this is just not my usual area of expertise. And if I can get away with not wearing a long dress, I I usually try to. But it's white tie. I got to wear the long dress. So I bought a very pretty black and white long dress. And um, it is very formal. Actually, it will go nicely with my husband's white tie. It sort of mirrors that look. It's a black dress with a white collar. But it is um, sleeveless because that's the law. There aren't any more dresses with sleeves unless you're the grandmother of the bride and you're 82. Other than that, somehow you got to get your upper arms in shape um, (laughs) in the middle of winter. So I'm going to yoga for that. That's not your problem. I'm going to a really hard vinyasa class if it kills me. Um, But I am wondering this. It does occur to me that the dress might look very nice with long white gloves like, but stop me, please stop me. If this is like a horrible, tricky Hollywood, you're not Audrey Hepburn idea. Okay. Feel, <laughs> feel, free, feel free to say, lean, are you crazy? You know, no, you're not the debutante. So you don't wear the gloves. So that's all I'm asking. It is a debutante ball. Again, I don't have girls, so it's not my daughter's debutante ball, uh, but it's a friend of mine's daughter. Happy to go. But I'm wondering, would the white gloves be perfect? Just exactly what I need to set off this kind of simple but elegant dress? Or would I look like an idiot? So please, you can email me at Leon at chaoschronicles.com. Or feel free to post it on my Facebook page or the Chaos Chronicles Facebook page. Just let me know, especially if you have any expertise in this area. I am particularly interested in your opinion. Um, and I, I'm your humble servant awaiting, (laughs) awaiting your instructions. All right. Uh, on the to do list this week, um, I had a really fun retail experience this weekend. I actually got a chance to work a shift at Vroman's, my favorite bookstore here in Pasadena, a great independent bookstore, almost 100, 120 years old, I believe. 120 years old, huge bookstore, um, as part of Indies First, which was authors all over the country working at independent bookstores on Small Business Saturday. Not Killing Thanksgiving, The Independent Bookstore. And um, I had a chance to meet a couple of authors whose work I really admire, so that was great, like Hector Tobar, who wrote The Barbarian Nursery. a great book. Um, I worked my shift with Wendy Lawless, who wrote Chanel Bonfire, which is a memoir that was a New York Times bestseller and is just out in paperback, so I picked that up. Uh, I, I met Quinn Cummings, who writes a very funny um uh, blog, but you may know her from many years ago. She was an actress. She was actually um the adorable little girl in The Goodbye Girl, nominated for an Academy Award. Well, she's all grown up now, and she's a very, very funny writer and blogger and has had several best-selling um, memoirs. Her last one was about homeschooling, and she has a collection of essays just out. So it was really fun to meet her. She's a local author. So that was all great. Um, I was not very much help. I... <laughs> only worked retail once in my life and I was terrible at it I don't like to go up to people and say how may I help you or do you need any help I don't want to bug them but that's what I was there to do and if you don't do that and you work retail then you end up just standing in the store and looking like an idiot and because I didn't actually work in the store when people came up and said um where could I find the Christmas stationery not the Christmas cards the Christmas stationery I had to keep asking people who knew so as a salesperson I don't believe I was that effective um <laughs> But I did get the thrill of a lifetime because I've had two books out now, but I've never actually had two things happen to me. I have never seen anyone randomly reading my book. Like, I've, and, uh, I've never like walked into a coffee shop locally or anywhere, you know, on a subway, never seen anyone reading my book. I'd like, that would be fun. And I've never actually seen anyone buy the book unless, I mean, I've seen them buy the book at a signing and that's great. But, um, for a while I was just stalking the stacks actually at Romans hoping to see someone randomly pick it up and buy it. So, uh, that has never happened to me before. And then they called the cops. So I don't know, maybe it would have happened after, but regardless, um, so I was there on Saturday and I was standing in the front in the fiction section because I thought, well, at least I can handle fiction I, <laughs> as opposed to the man who asked me about urban planning and design books. At least I knew where they were, but I wasn't very helpful once I got there. Um, so I was standing in fiction and a woman came in and honest God, this is what she said, can you tell me where I can find Helen of Pasadena? And I looked around. I thought she was a plant. You know, I thought, oh my gosh, what is this, a ca- can of camera? And no she had no idea I was the author. I said, I'm I'm the author of Pasadena. She was Rita. She was thrilled to meet me. It was really nice to meet her. And I was able to show her where my own book was. It's on a special section there at Romans about Pasadena pride. Uh, I signed a couple copies for it. It was absolutely like a writer's dream come true. So Thank you, Rita, for making that happen. Thank you for Jocelyn and Maddie who came by. I appreciated talking to you. Sheila and Liz came by. That was really nice of them. Nan, a long time listener, came by. Uh, Joanne, uh, we share the same hairdresser, so she just wanted to introduce. <laughs> herself to me. And then we talked about our hairdresser, Trina, all day. So that was really fun. Um, so the whole thing was really fun and I don't believe I was very helpful. Uh, but I did have a fantastic time. So I'd like to thank Romans. So here's the to-do list item though. I have, I have served the independent bookstores. They do a fantastic job. I am forever grateful to the many. I, I, I met, uh, many great bookstores I visited this summer, but on Wednesday of this week, December 4th, Helen of Pasadena and Elizabeth the First Wife are the Kindle Daily Deals. And it's very exciting for me because as a relatively new fiction writer, it is really hard just to get people out there to take a chance on your book to pick it up and think, oh, I like this writer. Maybe I'll buy the next one or, oh, yeah, this is this is a good book. I'll write a nice review or this made me laugh, whatever it is. It's just really hard. There are so many books out there to get in front of new readers. Um, So I'm excited that on Wednesday, December 4th for 24 hours, Helena Pasadena will be on sale for $1.99 and Elizabeth the first wife will be on sale for 2.99. So I'll put lots of things up on my Facebook page and my website. I don't want to bug you too much. Everyone's been so super supportive. I just wanted to let you know if you have a Kindle or you're stocking a Kindle for someone, you know, for Christmas or you have friends you think might enjoy the book. uh, Feel free, please, uh, to spread the word. It would be very helpful to me. But I am really looking forward to Wednesday. Um, It's kind of exciting to be picked. You know, there's only only 300 plus authors every year are picked for this deal, daily deal. So I'm lucky just to be chosen as one. And I hope that my book can get in the hands of a lot of, a lot of new readers, which would be fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So my to-do list really is to get cracking on letting people know about the Kindle daily deal. Um, and then also to get reading some of these fantastic books like Chanel Bonfire that I picked up this weekend. So I am looking forward to that. All right, everybody. I have a busy recording week. We have a Satellite Sisters coming up tomorrow we're also I'm doing a special interview with my friend Nancy Burke who does um you know she does her own podcast and she works in conjunction with Parade Magazine now she does a great series of interviews of sort of blast from the past stars but Nancy just so loves all of sort of Old TV, old movie, you know, what's happening with the guys from Leave it to Beaver. She just brings her usual warmth and humor to every interview she does. And over the last week, she has interviewed all seven of the movie Von Trapp kids. Every single kid from The Sound of Music musical the movie uh, who is now a grown-up they are all very good friends nancy has done extended interviews with them all in preparation of carrie underwood's live performance of the sound of music so stay with me here so tomorrow i'm recording a special podcast with nancy so we're going to get some inside scoop on the sound of music <laughs> everyone's favorite musical Okay, before the Carrie Underwood version, we're going way back uh, to the original version. And uh, Nancy's done all these great interviews and we're going to talk to her about the Sound of Music cast. So that's all this week. Very, very busy here. Um, But once again, I'd like to thank you all for supporting the Chaos Chronicles. I appreciate it. And Don't forget, embrace your chaos.